page 6, New Testament church. What is the church? The church is a group of believers, okay, who gather together on a regular basis. And what, what scripture did you have for that? Did somebody have for that? Somebody want to raise their hand for that one? Yes? Correct. Acts 2, 46 and 47. All right. We can just, I guess we can answer these blanks uh, together, but we'll, when we get to the verses, maybe we will raise our hand for that. The church is not a building or a denomination. Okay. The church is God's institution to provide support and structure for our faith. All right. Who, who can give me the verse for this one? Ephesians 2, 20, okay. I had a different one. I'm not saying that's wrong. Okay, that's the one I had as well. So maybe add that one to it. If you had both of those, that's not a problem. The church is the flock, the flock of God. Very good. The church is the body of, of Jesus Christ, okay. And what passage of Scripture? It's a big one. Encompasses a lot of verses. Okay. Right. That's what I had as well. Let's see if let's see about that one. Acts twenty. Church is a group of. Uh, that's I think the twenty twenty eight goes more with the flock. Maybe draw, maybe draw a line, an arrow up to it. Yeah. Number two, how is the function of the church similar to the function of the human body? Okay, remember we talked about these. Each member's function is different. Different. However, each member's function is dependent upon the others. Okay, so an eye does something different than an ear, but we need them both. Um, Preferably, we'd like to be able to see and hear, but they are different in their function, but they are dependent on one another even as well. Each member's function is vital. Very good. Each member's function contributes to the, to the success of the entire body. All right, number three, local church is a place believers gather to. Number one, blank God's word. Hear God's word. Okay, and the verse for that, who had the verse? We'll raise our hand for this one. The verse. Yes, sir. Acts 2.42. Very good. All right. Top of page 7. What's another thing that we, we gather together to do? Pray. All right. Same verse, I'll tell you, for that one. Okay. We'll just go ahead and give that. Uh, the next one. The next one down. Fellowship. Same verse as well. Okay. Observe the two ordinances, which are blank and blank. Baptism. Lord's Supper. Okay, very good. And keep going. Another thing we do together is we fulfill the Great Commission. Great Commission. And what scripture did you put for that one? We'll raise our hand to somebody for Ms. Gabriel. Correct. 28, 19, and 20. That's one of them. That's the one that was listed in the book. There are others, but mm -hmm. okay. So bring blank and blank to the Lord. Tithes and offerings. Okay, to the Lord. And what scripture passage did we find for that? Malachi 3, 8 to 10. All right. Then we serve with our God-given gifts. 
Okay? And the scripture passage for that one. Yes, ma'am, over here on my left. Susan, go ahead. Very good. All right. And then we observe, blank, minister, and lead. Learn, learn, we learn. And uh, what, what was your, uh, what's the scripture for that one? Uh-huh. Okay, very good. All right, we'll get you next time, Ryan. Okay, very good. You got it. No, you were right. I was going with you on that one. He had raised his hand just after you. Next one, encourage, blank, and strengthen other believers. Restore. Okay, Ryan, you're up. Galatians 6.1, very good. And you could also put that one as well. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Both of those would be acceptable. What is a believer's responsibility to the local church? Okay, number one, we are to love its head. It's not the pastor, it's Jesus Christ. Number two, faithfully attend the services, support its mission, blank its God-ordained leadership, follow, encourage its members. Very good. Okay, that's the quiz. And then, of course, there's the two verses. And so that's it. we're using the honor system on those. By the way, if you don't get the verses within the week of the lesson, you can still get the verses at some point uh, until we finish level two. And so tonight we are beginning the second half of level two. Does anybody need a book on forgiveness? Did anybody not get the book? Okay, here's some extra books that we need. Anybody else not get the book on forgiveness? All right, thank you, Brother Barry, for helping us with that. All right, page number two, page number two on the book of forgiveness. We find the word forgive 48 times in Scripture. And um, it's obviously an important part of our everyday life, really, forgiveness. Um, and no one will be able to go through a very lengthy period of time without being either needing to ask forgiveness or give, giving forgiveness. It, it's because, as you all know, uh, we're, 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 even in our, in our homes, we have two sinners married to one another as a husband and a wife, right? Even though we're, maybe, maybe we're saved, maybe we're not, either point is, it's still two sinners. And so in a church... Uh, you know, saved congregation, members, and so forth, we're still sinners. And so we have the capacity very easily to offend one another. And so uh, forgiveness is something we really need to seek the Lord to help us to be ready and willing to forgive. Um, as it says here in the booklet, to be, to be hurt, wrong, or treated unjustly is common. What is the biblical response? It, it, it should be forgiveness. I think the key is exactly what it says there at the beginning statement is to understand the level of God's forgiveness for us. It can never, my forgiveness for somebody else can never equal the forgiveness that God has already given me. The simple fact of, it's not simple, but the simple fact of God being holy and never having sinned 
and forgiving me, having sinned repeatedly, is at a level of forgiveness that is not comparable to me forgiving any of you or you forgiving me. Because as we said earlier, we're just sinners forgiving one another. God is holy, and yet he, can, he forgives us. And we'll, we'll look at that um, here in this lesson. I believe that forgiveness, though, takes preparation on our part. I agree with this statement here in this opening statement. We must prepare our hearts and minds to give forgiveness. Uh, because in the flesh, probably everyone here, maybe some more than others, that's not really the point, but we understand that sometimes it's very difficult to forgive in the flesh. Now, if we're filled with the Spirit, okay, guess what? We'll forgive. As, even if it's hard, we will, because the Holy Spirit will lead us to forgive. But I'm, I, I'd be the first one to raise my hand that when I'm not filled with the Spirit, forgiveness becomes very, very challenging. Because I'm only thinking about me, not what God did for me. And again, that's really the, the core of forgiveness, is to keep going back to what God has done for me or what God has done for you. So we want to learn to forgive like Christ forgave us. Okay, why must I forgive? That's the first question. Why, my, why must I forgive? And let's have our Bibles ready, and we'll, we'll turn to some of these passages here in just a moment and have some help reading them. We've kind of already given point number one, because I have been forgiven. Because I have been forgiven. 1 John 2.12, I write unto you little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. So we have already been forgiven. Of course, 1 John is written to believers, and we recognize there that God has clearly forgiven us. Let's open our Bibles up now to Psalm 86. Psalm 86. Please. And if someone would like to read that verse, that would be great. Psalm 86, 5. Thank you very much. I think that word ready is something that we really want to meditate on. Thou art ready to forgive. Now, this is talking about our God, who is perfect and, and always ready to forgive. But that's, that's where I want to be. I want to be like God as an example, as God's example. I want to be ready. Um, notice he's not only ready to forgive, but he's also, um, he's plenteous in mercy. Now, remember what mercy is, okay? Mercy is not getting what I deserve. Man, they, they deserve, you know, okay, that's not mercy. So God has mercy on us, so therefore, uh, I want to be ready, and I think I'll, I'll touch on this a little bit later, but I want to ask God to help me in that area too. First John 1, 9, somebody might know that verse from memory, Brother Charles. Okay. Again, we're, we're looking at the example of God's forgiveness for us as a reason why we want to forgive and should forgive as well. 
As we look at the cross, we quickly understand how far God went to forgive us. That is the epitome of forgiveness. God putting his son, Jesus, sinless, putting him up as a sacrifice so that we could be forgiven. Um, and the notes say, in comparison, there is no offense done to us that we are not able to forgive. Again, it's when we look at the cross and we put things in perspective. So we have been forgiven. Why must I forgive? We have been forgiven. Number two, let's go to Ephesians 4.32. This is a good verse to memorize. It might be one of the verses for, for this week even. It is. So this would be a great verse to memorize. It's been used so many times, but it's so... Uh, applicable in many ways, not just in forgiveness. But number two, why must I forgive? Because God commands me to do it. Somebody want to read Ephesians 4.32, please. Yes, go ahead. Gabriel. Thank you. And you know, the, uh, the phrase for Christ's sake has always stood out to me. So God forgave me, not even for my sake. Think about it. He forgave me for Christ's sake. Now, I, I benefited from the forgiveness, but it came because of the cross. So I think that's a good thing to, to meditate on as we want to be forgivers. It's for Christ's sake. So notice Paul says, forgive as God forgave you. How did God forgive me? For Christ's sake. Why did God forgive me? For Christ's sake. Why do you forgive someone who's, who's uh, you know, done something against you or me? Or so, you know, why do we do that? For Christ's sake. I think that is a pretty powerful statement there. Turn over just a couple of pages to the book of Colossians please. Colossians in chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, and who would be willing to read verse 13? Okay. Learning. All right, so again, that's our example. Thank you very much. So that's our example. Even if we have a quarrel, notice it says, and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any. And uh, obviously this is, this is an epistle of Paul written to believers. So what does this tell us? This tells us that even in the church, there can be disagreements. There will be disagreements, not there can be. There will be disagreements, okay? And so, and it's not like we're going to, we go into it looking for one, but it happens. It happens. And what do we do with it? Well, later on, we're going to talk about what happens when we don't forgive. And I think you all know the word that's going to come in play, play there. So, um, again, um, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave us. All right, top of page four, top of page four. All right, let's turn to Matthew 18. This is a great text regarding forgiveness. Probably you've read it before. If not, it's
It's going to be a good one to look at again. Matthew chapter 18. How do I forgive? How do I forgive? How do we do this? Okay. This, this uh, section of Scripture has a lot to do with what we're talking about tonight, forgiveness. So I'm going to read verse 23, and we're going to go ahead and take the time to read all of these verses, okay, out loud. And so if somebody will be ready to take verse 24, and then somebody else could take verse 25, okay, and we'll just read down through these. Follow along in your Bible. So I'll read Matthew 18, 23, and then we'll continue on. Uh, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. Go ahead, Ryan. Thank you, everyone. All right, so let's take a look at this. How do I forgive? Number one, make a decision to settle your account, to settle your account. Notice it says that the king, like this king in the, in the story in Matthew chapter 18, um, if we have something, if we have a hurt and it hasn't been settled, the worst thing we can do is just leave it and just say, you know what, I'm just going to leave it. Because you never really leave it. You never really just, you know, walk away. So if, if at all possible, the way to forgive is to try to ask the Lord to help us, because sometimes this, this is 
you know, could be very uh, sticky, okay? I don't say that to try to be funny, but it can be. But it takes, takes wisdom from the Lord. And now maybe it's already been settled, okay? So if that's the case, then that's, that's fine. But I think that's something for us to consider. How do we forgive? Number two, realize Jesus Christ settled your account. Settled your account. All right, let's go to, we're going to come back to Matthew, but let's turn over quickly to uh, Luke 23. Luke 23. Again, we're looking at the cross in this verse. In fact, Jesus is on the cross in this verse. Luke 23, 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. So, again, we're considering the cross each and every time here. We're considering that Christ has settled my account. It was the king in this Bible story, Matthew chapter 18, the king that forgave his servant of a, 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 a much larger debt, let's say, expected it to be done from the fellow servants. So the king in the story is, is excuse me, is God, if you will. An example of God, the Lord, the Lord Jesus. He forgave us of this, this massive debt that we owed him. Although we could never pay, right? For the wages of sin is death. So we've either got to die and go to hell, which, which will, will be many people will die and go to hell. I don't say that flippantly, but that's the only way to pay for sin apart from Christ. Because death is still the penalty for sin. It's either going to be Christ's death on the cross or my death or someone else's death eternally in, in, in hell. But the example here is of him being this king and him forgiving you and me. We're the, we're the servant, okay, if you will. And so then the expectation is that if the king of kings forgave me for this massive debt that I owe him, Whenever I come into contact with our, my fellow servant or my fellow man, I should be willing to offer that forgiveness to you. Because what you owe me or what I owe you, okay, is, as, as I've said, I'm repeating, but that's emphasis, is not in comparison. It can't compare to what, uh, what, I, owed, what I owed God and that he forgave me. When we accept God's forgiveness through the Lord Jesus Christ, this enables us to forgive those who hurt us. The Lord Jesus chose to suffer for my sin so I can choose to forgive those who hurt me. So Christ made it possible not only that I could be, this is a neat thought, Christ made it possible not only that I could be forgiven, but Christ made it possible so that I could forgive. And by the way, that's a really good thing. Because not being able to forgive someone, as we're going to see here in just a little bit, brings so many more problems into my life. Number three, 
How do I forgive? Have compassion on the offender just as Christ had compassion when he forgave me, forgave you. Matthew 18, 27, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. Look at, uh, look at that verse, uh, please, in your Bible there. He was moved with compassion. He, he owed him 10,000 talents. I mean, it's a, it's a huge amount in comparison. I mean, his wife, his children, and everything. He was about to be put into prison. And so the Lord said, okay, I'm going to forgive you. You're forgiven. Compassion on the one who owed the large debt. Just like the Holy Spirit, or just like God the Father, had compassion on me who had a great debt. Likewise, I should have compassion on those who hurt us, hurt me, or sin against me. How do I forgive? Top of page number four. We release the, or top of page, top of page four, number four. Release the offender from all wrong. Notice verse 27. He loosed him and forgave him the debt. He loosed him. He released him from the debt that he could not repay. Now it says here the debt was millions of dollars. It may have been. A big amount. In the same fashion, we are to release those who have sinned against us or hurt us. True forgiveness will result in no longer having negative feelings against our offender. Well, I tell you right, that right there, depending on the level of offense, that right there is very difficult. I'm not saying it's impossible because nothing's impossible with the Lord. Okay? But I, I agree with the statement, but I also believe that it's going to take a lot more grace in some cases to be able to really practice that. We're really going to need to be connected with the Lord when it comes to that. Okay, some further, some further um, information about forgiveness. Number one, remember that justice is God's business. Justice is God's business. It's not my business. It's not yours, but it will be God's, and it is God's. Romans chapter 12. Let's turn over there, please. Romans chapter 12. And uh, Romans 12, 17. It says, recompense to no man evil for evil. That means recompense has the idea of giving it back or, you know, repaying them. You know, if somebody does evil to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you evil back. Okay, that's not, the, that's not the way a follower of Jesus Christ should think or respond. Yes, that's the way the world responds, for sure. You know, you punch me, I'm going to punch you back. Okay? And we can joke about it, but it's not a joke, because many times this, this idea comes into even the, even to the heart of a Christian. And uh, it's very clear, the Bible says, don't do that. Don't give evil for the evil that was given you. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. I like how it says, if it be possible. Isn't that a neat statement, though? We could say a lot more there, but I think we'll move on. 
Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith thee who? The Lord. Not saith Ben, right? It's not my job to get vengeance on somebody. It's not your job to get vengeance on somebody. Uh, the Lord is going to take care of it. Justice will, will be served. Number two, forgiveness is an act of the will. It's an act of the will. Hebrews 8, 12, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. It's an act of the will. I just don't feel like forgiving this person, okay? That's, that's a, that's a uh, viable statement. It's not about feelings. It's an act of the will. So I have, to, I have to ask the Lord, I need you to help me to will myself to forgive this buzzard, okay? I mean, well, what, am I, what am I to say that? No, that's not true. Don't say that. To, 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 to will to forgive this individual, right? You know, and a lot of times this forgiveness is needed right in our own homes, right? It's needed right in our, maybe it's not in our home, but it's in our family, Right? So it, it can come at work, it can come at play, it can come at school, but, you know, it seems like the, the stings, a lot of times the sting is a lot of times with people that are our family. And so obedience, now here's, here's a great thought, obedience will produce the right feelings. Forgiveness is an act of the will, but when I obey God and I forgive that person, then feelings are going to come, the good ones. Forgiveness is always a choice. Always a choice. And I, I, I must say that it's always the right choice. It's always the right choice. Number three. Here's one that will help us all. Pray for those who hurt you. Pray for them. And you say, Pastor, I've been praying for them a long time that a rock would fall on their head. No, not that kind of prayer. Not that kind of prayer. Pray that God would get a hold of their heart. If they're not saved, pray that God would break them to the point that they would turn to Christ and get saved. Pray for them. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5.44. Probably the most famous sermon of all, of all time, past, present, and future. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Pray for them. Jesus forgave those who crucified him. We read that verse already. Praying for those who hurt you will change your heart. I believe that to be very true over time. It may not change it the first time. But over time, it's going, to, it's going to impact my heart as we're praying for someone. Now, possibly what we're going to finish with in the next bit of time uh, is really crucial that we take note of. Because if we don't forgive, if we don't forgive, there are some things that will, will come into our life that have the potential to be of even more damage 
than how we were offended. Okay? And obviously, we, we, we see number one, you have the same book I do, we will become bitter. We will become bitter. Now, I'll, I'll, have, to, I'll have to say that, there, you know, it could be that there are, there, are, there are offenses 25 and 30 years in our past, those of us that are old enough to have those, okay, that are still there, and as we said earlier, make a decision to settle your account. They're still on the account. And in some ways, it's, it's, it's going to be impossible, it's going to be impossible to speak to someone. Maybe they're already gone. When I say gone, maybe they've already passed away. But the account is still there. It's still, it's still a part of you. It's 30 years ago, but it's as current as right now. Okay? And, and that's real. I'm not discounting that. It's real. But I don't think God intends you to keep that on your account and to keep carrying it with you the rest of your life. Okay? That doesn't discount whatever hurt was done to maybe some of us in this room uh, many years ago or a few weeks ago for that matter. But God... The intention, the intention of forgiveness is that God would free you from carrying that offense repeatedly over and over and over again. And here's what happens when you carry it. It's now a part of anybody's life that you touch. Because if you're bitter over something that happened three weeks ago or 30 years ago, everybody that you come into contact with in some way or form, fashion, you're going to have an impact on them with that bitterness. It's, it's impossible not to. It might be subtle, but it'll be there. So Hebrews 12, 15 it's right there in our books. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up, and look what it does, trouble you. But I've always emphasized this last statement. It troubles me, but notice what it says in the last statement. And thereby, what's the next word? Many. Yeah. So it's troubling me, but many are going to be affected by it. It's right there. It's right there in black and white. Pastor, this, 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 is, this is troubling. Yes, it's troubling. Okay, but we're, we're looking tonight at a solution. It's not that we just keep carrying this thing and keep talking about it and going over it and over it. And it doesn't mean that the herd is any... I'm not trying to belittle it, but we don't want... We don't want it to continue to trouble us and, and also defile many. But that's what it's going to do. When I am sinned against or offended, it is important that I quickly forgive the offender. Because the, uh, the, uh, what's, <clears throat> what's coming, if I don't forgive, what's coming is bitterness. There's a couple things about bitterness. You've heard these before. Bitterness always destroys the container that it's kept in. 
So if you're if you're storing bitterness, you're destroying. If you're storing bitterness, you're destroying you. Why let something that 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 was was real? It was wrong. Again, God forgave you as much, and so I need to forgive whatever it was. Why let that ruin my whole life? It doesn't have to. Now it's going to take the grace of God. Another, another thought that I heard recently about bitterness, it's like drinking poison and hoping somebody else dies. I'm going to drink this poison and I sure hope that person dies that I don't like. That does, I'm not forgiving them. Well, that's, that's bonehead. But how many times... <laughs> How many times are we boneheads, okay? Don't raise your hand. We all are guilty, if we're not careful, of thinking something like that. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. So, boy, forgiveness is so important because we don't want this bitterness coming in. Secondly, we learn from the story tonight that if we don't forgive, we will be tormented. Matthew 18, 33 to 35. Tormentors in, in, in the Bible day were like the modern day debt collectors. They were relentless. They would follow and torment anyone who owed a debt until they finally said, okay, I'm going to pay you. This is exactly the way it's going to happen to us if we've refused to forgive tormenting my anger, tormenting of bitterness. I wrote down, the more time that goes by, the greater the tormenting will become. Top of page six, we must finish this up. We got 10 minutes, so we're in good shape. Number three, here's, here's a byproduct of not forgiving. We are actually surrendering control to Satan, to the devil. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. By the way, Satan would just love for us tonight to not forgive someone. He would love for you to get bitter. He would love for me to get bitter. He would love for us to just live in this perpetual state of anger and bitterness. And, and you know, every once in a while it calms down. And then all of a sudden when our button gets pushed, it flies back up again. Satan would just be, man, he's... You know, if he could keep us in that state, I mean, I think he'd be, he'd be thrilled with that. Ephesians 4, 26 says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Just a place. Just a little, what we would say, insignificant spot. Neither give place to the devil. He's looking for an opportunity in all of our lives. And one area that he's looking at is in this area of unforgiveness. If that's the opportunity that he, you give him or I give him, he'll take it. He'll take it. Practical helps on forgiveness. I, 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 I was reading through this again just over and over, yesterday especially. But... I believe these two, I hope, will help us tonight as we, as we finish this up. Forgiveness can be a process. I think that's very important. 
to lock onto. It can be a process. Let's go back to our story, their Bible story, Matthew 18. We didn't read this verse, but it's actually right at the beginning of the story. Uh, Then came Peter to him, verse 21, and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. So forgiveness isn't necessarily a one-time event. Because it can resurface. It can, the emotional part of it can can come back. Again, we don't have the capacity of of God necessarily in the sense of, you know, I know he chooses to, to forget. But I mean, he is omniscient, right? But at the same time, he has the ability to choose to forget. But I don't have that same capacity. So there is a potential that I have forgiven Bob. And I have, I have, I have literally, I have forgiven him. Biblically, I've forgiven Bob. Okay? But all of a sudden, there's just this moment of weakness, and Bob and I meet up again. And it's not like I have any, you know, there's nothing. But all of a sudden, in that, in that moment of weakness, Bob comes across my path, and now I remember what Bob did. You know what I need to do with that right away? I need to forgive Bob. I've already forgiven him. But it comes up again. And it just, he didn't do anything. Just his presence, right? Just being around him or, or just seeing him again or whatever. I don't know who it is. I hope it's not Bob for you. But anyway, I just thought of Bob as the name. Sorry if your name's Bob. But um, seriously, though, we have to take a the pause and don't, don't leave it, don't leave it, don't leave it. I'll deal with that later. I'll deal with that later. No, right then and there. Just deal with it right then and there. Because it, it can crop up. It can come up quickly. It can come up just out of the blue. Where did that come from? Well, Satan. But we have, we have the ability with looking at the cross. Okay. Yeah, I've already forgiven Bob. Lord, Take that thought away from me. I've already forgiven Bob. We, we've already dealt with that. And move on. So it, it can be a process. Number two. And, and again, this is what I just, I actually just said this. For, I forgot it was there in this wording. Forgiveness does not mean we will forget the offense. An all-knowing God does not forget. He chooses not to remember there's the verse for you, Jeremiah 31, 34. Matthew 18, 27. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him. So the, the loosing there. Romans 13, 10. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the the law. Love worketh no ill. 
Top of page seven. Rebuilding a relationship is not a condition of forgiveness. Rebuilding a relationship Trust and reconciliation in a relationship can be lost through someone's sin against us. If the relationship is never rebuilt, forgiveness is still required. And again, sometimes the the rebuilding part of it is impossible. But again, we don't want to carry that. We don't want to carry that with us. We're not willing to rebuild that relationship. We want to be willing to if the opportunity would arise. But in some cases, it may not be, you know, it may not be safe. Sorry, but there are some things that people have done to one another that we want to forgive them of, but it doesn't mean we have to just run back into their life completely and fully because we've forgiven them now. So that, that, that can happen. Number four, And lastly, the evidences that you or I have forgiven are, number one, don't remind the offender of the offense. I think that one is a good one, especially if you're married. It may not be just if you're married, but maybe it may be for you if you're single too. But I think that can be a a big one in our marriages where, you know, a husband has has apologized to the wife uh, because we know the men are always wrong and women are always right, right? And, uh, or the wife has apologized to the husband and you know some time has gone by, and then all of a sudden we just decide, ah, oh, you know, we're going to bring that up again. Not a good, not a good plan, okay? Uh, we don't need to remind them, you know? Number, uh, letter B, don't discuss the offense with others. That's a big one. That's a big one. Don't discuss the offense with others. And then number three, You refuse to think about the offense in your mind. Again, that's a battle. You're going to need the Lord's help, but it's possible. Philippians uh, Philippians 4.8 is a good verse. It's right there. Whatsoever things are. You know what? Let's end our lesson with reading that verse. Would you turn there with me? We're going to read it together out loud. Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8. This is a great verse for a lot of reasons, not just for forgiveness, because it's talking about what we're to think about. And I'll tell you what's not listed in here. The offense done to you is not listed in here. So if you're looking for it, it is not there even in the Greek, okay? Number uh, Philippians 4.8, ready? Let's read it out loud. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. May God help us this week to put this lesson into practice, that we would be Bible forgivers. Heavenly Father.